Just like the US federal government, the UK government, the New Zealand government and the Canadian government, Australian federal and state governments no longer serve the interests of its citizens. Australian Prime Minister Morrison thinks he's being clever by using despotic premiers and businesses to do his dirty work, to force almost every Australian to be vaccinated. But he will be destroyed by his own actions. As with other Western pseudo-democracies, Australia is now a divided nation, with its citizens pitted against each other. Good government would not stoop to this during a real health emergency, nor would they deny to the sick inexpensive, safe and effective treatment. Australia is an international disgrace, with daily examples of police overreach and arrest. Dumb politicians lie through the teeth and come out with ridiculous statements because they're fighting a phony war. Australians have good reason to refuse an experimental vaccine, making government or private sector coercion even more abhorrent. Business leaders are the useful idiots believing vaccines are the only way out of their government-imposed nightmare. Think about it. This is twisted logic with growing evidence that the new vaccines have dangerous side effects and lose their effectiveness in a short time. Little is known about these so-called vaccines and less is known about the efficacy or dangers of the imminent round of booster shots. So corporations are legitimising ongoing and arbitrary restrictions on economic activity and the destruction of the business class. Really? Some 18 months on, government actions against the virus would be laughable if they weren't so destructive. Record levels of fake positive testing, CCP-style restrictions on the majority of the healthy, internal and external travel restrictions. Destruction of public health, risking the health of the most vulnerable and lives of the young with their vaccine mandates and risking frontline health services. All this madness has to stop now. And these shocking government interventions. Senator Malcolm Roberts said the other day, as more and more people become understandably vaccine hesitant, the government is becoming more and more authoritarian. If we don't want to end up in a dictatorship, all vaccine choices, whether compliant or hesitant, must be accepted. Senator Malcolm Roberts, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, Mike. It's always a pleasure. You've been everywhere. You're a bit like the, uh, the Leyland brothers, but wrapped up into this nice little bundle. <laughs> um, just quickly, where have you been in the last few weeks? We had uh, two to three weeks on the Cape York, listening to every Aboriginal community and every um, mixed community up there. So we went right around the Cape, um, startling. Um, no, I can tell you about them one day. Uh, I arrived back in Cairns on Friday the 30th of July, left the next morning uh, for Brisbane, landed in Brisbane on the 31st and, uh, of July and found out that Brisbane was going into lockdown. So I had to be out of Canberra by uh, 10, by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, out of Brisbane, sorry, for 4, four o'clock. So we we're on an RAAF uh, government jet. The wheels lifted off Brisbane. Uh, airport at eight minutes to four, so I just mo- just missed that lockdown. Landed in Canberra, I'm uh, trapped, 
trapped in a in a quarantine there. So I entered quarantine there. <laughs> and, but essential work is allowed. So that parliament's called essential work. I don't know why, but anyway. Um, and then uh, then Brisbane came out of lockdown. So I was allowed out of quarantine. But Cairns came into lockdown. So I was back in quarantine because I've been in Cairns. So the, the lockdowns were catching up. So then... Um, uh, we then found out on the second day of sitting, second week of sitting, Mike, which is um, just last, oh, gee, what's today? Uh, last Thursday, that uh, that um, Canberra had a case, so the COVID case, so they went into lockdown. So I had to be out of Canberra by 5 p.m. So that's what we did. We madly rushed out of Canberra on Thursday um, by by 5, and uh, I landed in Brisbane. I'm in quarantine now, so I've been all over the place, and now I'm just stuck in one joint for 14 days. This is rubbish. It's complete rubbish. It is. It's a joke, uh, and it's noticed worldwide. But what about the the Olympians in, in Adelaide? Um, two weeks quarantine in Sydney, and then because of uh, the troubles they're having in, in Sydney, they fly to Adelaide and got to spend another two weeks in quarantine in Adelaide. So they fly out of Australia, do the Olympics, fly back, and they're basically, or not basically, they have uh, four weeks in quarantine. Um, it's just gone nutso, hasn't it? It, it has, and it, it's completely disrespectful. It's not based on data, and Adelaide highlights just how capricious these lockdowns are. I mean, what's going on? Uh, I was due to go to a conference in Darwin uh, just these these two days, yesterday and today, and uh, was prevented from going there because um, we because um, because I've come from Canberra, where they had one where where they had one case just last week, and so I was banned from going to uh, Darwin. And then um, two of our staff, one of Pauline's staff, one of my staff, they were still going to the conference to, to meet people and to, and to meet with meet with some uh, people outside the conference as well. My staffer arrived on the Sunday. On the Monday, she's getting ready for the conference and found out Darwin's going into, Northern Territory's going into a lockdown. So she had to get out of there and come back to Brisbane. The staffer from Pauline's office arrived on the Monday morning, turned around and came home. I mean, this is just capricious you know and, and then they put out they put out uh, incentives to come for a holiday in queensland we'll give you a hundred dollar voucher for anything okay wonderful but it's going to cost them three thousand dollars if they get caught in a lockdown mm. who's going to come to queensland under those circumstances this is absolute rubbish it's destroying the economy it's anti-health mike it's mm. anti-health the pm has said no mandatory vaccinations for COVID 19 <laughs> but it is happening in this country at the hands of others isn't it correct the, uh, the Constitution, I've had expert advice on the Constitution, and the federal government cannot mandate vaccines. Cannot. It's in the Constitution. So what it did in, when it comes to stealing property rights um, is the same thing it's doing here. It gets the state to, states to do a sturdy work. So we've seen, first of all, the federal government want, uh, wanted an aged care mandate for aged care staff to be vaccinated injected what they did was they got the states to do it but in my book that's still driven by the federal government by its own admission so that's wrong this, so that, that's how they're doing that then the state governments are now putting in place restrictions on border movement which is also wrong and then we've got some companies wanting to do it uh, under pressure from the government some of them uh, and so we've got state government federal government and private companies doing it and Mike, where are the unions? 
Where are the unions protecting basic freedoms? Where are the unions protecting health? Again, this is a health issue. We have, as I've said before, this is the first time in our history when governments have knowingly injected something harmful into their citizens while at the same time preventing citizens getting proven treatments and cures and prophylactics against the virus. That's ivermectin. Mm. So we have got the government pushing, putting this pressure. So Scott Morrison lied when he said they wouldn't be mandating vaccinations. He lied and he's lying still. Trickery probably at its best, a bit like um, Clouseau when he asked the, the hotelier, uh, does your dog bite? And the hotelier says, no. Clouseau pats the dog and the dog bites him. And Clouseau says, I thought you said that your dog does not bite. And the hotelier says, that is not my dog. So, so Morrison says there'll be no mandatory vaccinations. He actually means there will be, just not from the federal government as he knows the states will do the biting. About right? Correct. But that still means the federal government is doing it in my book. Mm. In 1996, John Howard wanted to comply with the Kyoto Protocol, the UN's Kyoto Protocol. And he um, knew that if he stole farmers' property rights, which is what he and John Anderson and the National Party did, the Prime Minister and Deputy Prime Minister, they stole farmers' property rights. He knew that if he did it from the federal government, he would be up for compensation under clause, under Section 51, Clause 31, I think it is. So what he did was he went to Rob Borbidge, the National Party Premier of Queensland at the time, and did a deal with him to get the states to put in place um, vegetation clearing laws to basically stop farmers having the right to use their land. Then along came Peter Beattie and, and John Howard ramped it up. That was the federal government pushing the state government. We have it in two places in writing and also in Bob Carr's own words uh, over a YouTube clip where the state governments have admitted they're doing that, they did that for the federal government. So this, the federal government has learned you can fool the people and so they're trying to do it again. I want to come back to your Clouseau, um, Clouseau uh, joke just then, Mike. That symbolizes not the humor of this issue. Mm. It symbolizes the depravity and the incompetence. I want to remind everyone that in March last year, 2020, when the virus hit these shores, the number one lesson that everyone was talking about, including us and especially us, we led the charge, was the incompetence of federal governance for many decades had destroyed our independence. We are now a country dependent on other countries due to shoddy governance over many decades. The last 18 months has reinforced that shoddy governance. We have had no data from the federal government, meaningful data, justifying any of the lockdowns, any of the injections. We've had no plan. It's obvious because instead of governments doing being united at state and federal level, we have, we've had blame being exchanged. We've had accusations. We've had lies. We've had uh, contradictions within their own, their own, oh, it's not management, their own mismanagement of the virus. They're contradicting each other, getting in each other's way, and the public are paying the price. And that is, we've had 18 months of absolutely shoddy governance, no plan, no accountability, and what we've got is typical governance in this country, which is just run from it, point to someone, blame someone. That's mm. it. Mm. That, that can't continue. Victoria, with uh, their curfew now. Um... Is this a, is this a, a 
24-hour virus or just a, a nighttime virus? Uh, no, no. It's um, it will come out at certain times of the day. Ah, oh, yes. oh, right. No, no. And it's a, it's a real thing. I mean, this uh, scariant they're talking about, uh, and they are right. It's it is highly transmissible, and but they never mention that it is not at all dangerous if you do do the right stuff. For example, early treatment or whatever. If you have comorbidity issues, uh, if you're hitting uh, late eighties, early nineties then you look after those. But the rest of the population doesn't need to experience curfews. The rest of the population doesn't need papers to travel from one area of town to the other part of town. The rest of the population, according to um, Dan Andrews, does though need to wear a mask when they're eating and drinking. So Malcolm, you're a parliamentarian, you're creative. (laughs) How do they eat and drink with a mask. Well, I was told, let's just get get a picture of this. This is about conditioning. Mm. And that's tasty. all it is. And tasty. It's conditioning. It's, no, conditioning. it's the, it's the uh, compliance mask or the obedience mask. We did a, a test here with a, a doctor, uh, Dr. Babak, and he was uh, showing us that with the vape, which is heavier than the particles of the actual um, of the uh, of the perceived virus, when he blew out this vape and it went through the mask, which it shouldn't because the particles are bigger, it, but it comes up the top, the sides, underneath it. So it does no good, does not work. Andrew Bolt says 47 uh, he's read 47 reports. Uh, we're discussing before with the Dr. Vliet from the from Arizona, and she thinks he read the same report 47 times <laughs> because it's it, it's an absolute lie. It's it it is BS. It's there is no truth to it. But you know all this. You know we're talking about you know the masks and stuff. Where's the debate or intense scrutiny from Parliament? Is there any? Have they all gone to sleep? Are they having an extended long lunch? It's worse than the lack of a debate, Mike. I've been talking about the capricious use of lockdowns, dangerous for health, hurting people's health, and also destroying freedoms, and no justification. In fact, even the UN's corrupt, crooked, incompetent, dishonest World Health Organization says lockdowns are meant as a blunt instrument initially and then only to get control of the virus. So what they're saying is that our state governments and federal government, by condoning lockdowns, admit they are not in control of the virus. Mike, it's really simple. They are not managing the virus. The virus is managing us. The virus is managing our governments. So that, that's the first thing. The second thing is that, as I said a minute ago, the masks, um, they're a form of conditioning. And we were told in the early days of this virus in Australia when there were no masks around, or very few masks, don't worry about it. You don't need masks. You don't need masks with this virus. As soon as they started getting masks in, masks are absolutely essential. We've had the health minister in Queensland, Yvette Darth, um, front of press conference. Uh, she's clever. Oh, she's terrible. very clever. Yeah, fronted. She was a federal parliamentarian before that. She's now state MP, minister for health. Mm. And she was asked when she announced uh, lockdowns in Brisbane in January, I think it was, and then the use of masks. She came to the press conference announcing the details and a journalist asked her a simple question. 
If you're driving on your own, mm-hmm. a single driver, in a vehicle, do you need to wear a mask? And she realized she'd been trapped, caught. And she looked, uh, uh, yes. There was no, there was no thinking behind that. Well, see, you're nothing, wrong. Nothing no. at all. There's nothing behind this damn thing. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. I mean, think of the poor guy on the air at a radio station, and you've got somebody in the car without a mask, you might get it over the airwaves. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? It's, hey, it's just the contradictions just abound. The stupidity abounds. But what gets me, Mike, is, is that um, it is actually worse than a, than, than a lack of um, a debate it's actually a suppression of freedom, a suppression of democracy. George Christensen, on behalf of the, the people of his electorate, he represents them in federal parliament, the seat of Dawson, based on Mackay and Southern Townsville. He stood up and he dared to question the use of lockdowns. He dared to question the use of these. Anthony Albanese jumped to his feet, or someone in the Labor Party jumped to their feet and then later on in the day and moved a censure motion against him or motion of mm. condemnation or whatever it was. And the prime minister rolled over mm. the leader of the, of the government in the lower house, who's a strong person, Peter Dutton, rolled over. George Christensen was ex- exercising his responsibility to the people of Dawson by spreading good, honest questions, holding everyone accountable. He was condemned. And the Labor Party couldn't believe their luck because this is typical with this prime minister. He doesn't get the facts. He blows in the wind. He's a weather vane, wind vane. And he jumps to what he thinks will be seen as the right position without getting the facts. He condemned George Christensen. The Labor Party then in the Senate the next morning moved a motion condemning George Christensen in the Senate and adding a couple of other people in there. You know, I was really disappointed, Mike. Mm. I'm, my name wasn't on there, and neither were Pauline. After all the speaking out we've done, we don't get we don't get slammed. But anyway, but maybe though we could say, you know, Clouseau, does your politician bite? That is not my politician. <laughs> uh, That's true. <laughs> uh, George Christensen was condemned on the Senate, mm. and and um, only four people, including me, uh, and Pauline would have had she been there, but she was remote from Brisbane. But um, only four people stood up for free speech and democracy in our parliament. The yeah. rest condemned George Christensen. Absolute disgrace. What about the aged care workers, though? How do, what, what do they think about all this? And, and do they or anyone have any protection against forced injections? I mean, before, you go, before we get to that one, I saw a reporter on Channel 7, and the reporter said, those that don't get... This is the mainstream media or media now doing their bit. Those that don't get the jab need to be forced into getting the jab, need to be grabbed, taken away and given the jab. I mean, what sort of country are we living in? And these poor aged care workers, and if they look at the results in Israel, they're going to see that it doesn't do much at all, love. So what? how do they feel? What do you think we should do about it? And is there a, a way out of this? Um, first of all, Israel. My understanding is that it's the most highly vaccinated country in the world, well over 60 percent, and some say even 80 percent, over 80 percent with their first injection and heading for 80 percent with two injections. And that's the theoretical target. Mm. They're now having 11 times 
the cases that they had just a month ago, 11 mm-hmm. times, because they're finding out an Israeli health department study has found out and admitted that the vaccine efficacy, its effectiveness, is plummeting. Pfizer itself, the vaccine maker, is admitting that the vaccine efficacy, its effectiveness, is plummeting within just a month or two after the vaccination. Pfizer has requested authorization from the FDA in America, the Food and Drug Administration, authorization to have a third booster shot. Now, in Senate estimates, I asked our chief medical officer, the secretary of the health department, the federal health department, and the TGA, Therapeutic Goods Administration head, a very simple set of questions. First of all, is the vaccination 100% safe? No, was the answer. They could not commit to declaring it 100% safe. So I said, do you know the dose? Do you know the number of injections needed? Do you know the frequency? Do you know how many? No, no, no. Can you tell me if restrictions will be removed as a result of the vaccination? No. So what the hell are we doing? Mm. Why are we causing thousands of people's deaths in America? And I want to get to that point because that's where they're recording their deaths more promptly and quickly than they are in Australia. So we know that they're, they're killing people, and yet we're injecting it into this country. Now, that's, that's the first point. The second point is aged care workers. You asked about that. Mm. Aged care workers, when we found out that Scott Morrison had broken his, since his, his strong, clear promise to not mandate vaccinations, we asked, and he mentioned it first for aged care workers, we asked aged care just for a simple post on, a, on our Facebook page saying, if you're in aged care and you're a worker in aged care, contact us with your thoughts. We were swamped. After 12 hours, Mike, we had to take down the post because our staff couldn't handle it. They were just swamped. Our staff was swamped with phone calls. People crying on the phone, anger, frustration, despair, hopelessness, real concern, deeply felt. Some of my staff were so taken aback by the emotions pouring over the phone. We took that post down. The next day we said, okay, we heard you. Uh, they weren't complaining about us. They were very, very bitter about the government and about the governance of this country. So we put up another post and said, this time, don't call us. Send us your written statements, your testimonials. We have stopped at 800. We had to get in extra volunteer staff to redact the statement, redact the identification from these statements. We have compiled 800 and then we stopped. That's enough and we're going to be presenting them to the Prime Minister. The aged care staff, uh, we don't know what percentage, but they are appalled at this government's decision. We know that many Liberal Party voters, Liberal Party members have said, never again, I'm out of the Liberal Party. Mm. I've got a question for you, Mike. At the end of this mess, will the death of the Liberal Party be ascribed to COVID or suicide? Suicide? (laughs) You were fired up. You were fired up. You had three issues. Now, There are some of the issues that we haven't covered. What else, Malcolm? There are three basic issues that we're pushing. The first is that this is about health. Lockdowns are are hurting people worse than the virus. 
Lockdowns need to stop. They're hurting people's health, mental health, and physical health. They're hurting the economic health, which is going to be determining the future health. The second thing is truth and freedom have been destroyed in the name of health. Freedom is the most important thing when it comes to people's health. Free to get out in the sun. The important, free to get out with your family. Free to exercise. Free to get vitamin D from the sun. Mike, they're putting troops on the street in Sydney. They're putting police uh, in entering people's homes to question people. The basic, they've got security completely mixed up with safety. Completely. They have no clue what they're doing. This is security for an Australian. A breadwinner job. A family home that they can own, that they do own. Family around them that can give them security and support. And number four is a lively interaction with the community and support from the community. Now, not everyone has to be a social socialite, but we get support and community from our workplace. Lockdowns destroy all of that. The third thing is absolutely shoddy governance. So we've, we've got health is being sacrificed. We've got freedom being sacrificed. And it's all due to shoddy governance. Now, some people have accused me on Facebook, and I've very quickly answered them, of being anti-government. Well, damn right I'm anti-government, because this government doesn't deserve any respect. The state Labor governments deserve no respect. What's happening is that there is no plan. When we passed through the parliament, the, the uh, job seeker and job keeper laws, uh, back in their single day sittings in, in March and April last year, I said, we'll wave this through because we'd be getting reports of tens of thousands of people dying in Italy, France, Spain, China. But we will come looking for the data, the plan, and we will hold you accountable. To this day, 18 months later, there is still no plan at all, no comprehensive plan. Now, what I've put forward to the chief medical officer in federal parliament in, in, in Senate estimates was a seven strategy plan for managing the virus. I mentioned those. We can go over that one day, Mike. Seven strategies. And I said to the chief medical officer and to the secretary of health department, are any of my seven strategies not that should not be in the plan? No, they should all be in the plan. Are there any other strategies that should be in the plan? No, there aren't. So the federal government's chief medical officer, secretary of the health department, both have acknowledged that seven main strategies for a plan for managing this virus. I'm not Einstein. All I did was put my mind to it, ask the government for its own data on this virus, which you correctly say is highly transmissible, but is, its severity is low to moderate. And I came up with the strategies. And the health chief medical officer and the health department secretary have acknowledged them to be correct, but we see no plan. We know they understand, but there's no plan. Why? Mm. Maybe, though, there is a plan. Yes, this plan is about control. Yep. That's the only thing in their minds. Control through curfews, control through lockdowns, control through movement. They want to control our speech through social media. They want to control our speech in our federal parliament. They want to control our democracy. They want to put imposed restrictions on people. Movement, speech, thought association, freedom to be with family, freedom to work, freedom for livelihoods. They, look, Mike, I'm going to make it very clear. 
I am wholeheartedly and strongly supportive of medicines that have been tested, proven safe, proven effective, and preferably affordable. Mm. I am totally opposed to forcing untested, unproven drugs that have already got uh, deaths against them in, in Australia and overseas on people and particularly against them being forced at the risk of people losing their livelihoods. There's nothing more fundamental to a human than providing for themselves and their, their family. That is being destroyed. That is anti-human. It is in, unconscionable. It is an absolute disgrace that we are calling ourselves a democracy when that happens. Totally agree, 100%. Um, as you ponder the world from your house, uh, don't you put a toe outside. <laughs> but we expect, and we're speaking to your wife, and she says that you're at least dusting and cleaning the place up and looks lovely inside. Senator well, I'm Mel- going for my test tonight, Mike, uh, my second test. I get three tests for COVID, so mm-hmm. far all negative. Well, just before we wrap this up, and I say goodbye to you, the Peter McCullough, who, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, who's he's fairly respected in the, in the world. <laughs> he says, if you're going to get COVID, get Delta. It's a powder puff. And he's dead right. And Mike, uh, I want to compliment you for what you're doing. You're, you're, you're absolutely amazing. Um, you've really taken this bull by the horns and you've been getting really credible people, competent, respected mm-hmm. people, experts in their field. And, and that's just amazing what you're doing. And yes. I hope your views are going through the roof. But I have no family or friends anymore. But anyway. <laughs> but you've got your conscience. Thank you very much. Senator Malcolm Roberts, always a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. From Holthouse, Carlin and Van Trite. Uh, great to see you, Blake Christian. Always a pleasure. Now, we've heard a lot about cryptocurrency. Uh, people dabble in crypto, people make a lot of money in crypto, but what actually is cryptocurrency? So crypto, it's important to understand what the underpinnings are of crypto. And so crypto is only made possible because of blockchain technology. And so blockchain technology is a system where supercomputers um, will, will sort out a, a code for a given token, if you will, uh, that represents virtual currency. It's, it's rather complicated, but in, in, its, in its easiest form, it, uh, when somebody goes to cash in this virtual currency to make sure that it's valid, uh, there's several uh, steps that the blockchain process goes through and, and it's not just one um, one confirmation it's it's multiple confirmations so to put it in like credit card terms instead of inserting your card for Amex and then you know it's pretty immediate they they cross check it against Amex's database and they say yeah that's a good card and um, they, they're paid up uh, let's let's let that go through they would send it to six, seven, ten different uh, organizations and say, oh, do we have Blake Christian in our database and does he hold a card that has you know, that sequence of numbers? So anyway, that, it, it's a rather complicated process. What, what a lot of people don't realize is behind the scenes, 
and this is some of the the pushback from the environmentalists is it takes enormous amounts of energy electricity to um, to process this information because these supercomputers are doing millions of computations to get to the the proper code and so they're they're you know and I'm actually working on some opportunity zone projects that involve solar and you know energy efficiency uh, to to do crypto mining um, but you know a lot of people just don't you know they don't know that side of it and that's why you know like Elon Musk you know ended up not accepting uh, Bitcoin for payments because he got a lot of pushback from the environmentalists although I think I heard now that he he is going to take it again but I'm not sure mm. what's the most widely used cryptocurrency uh, by, by far it's Bitcoin is kind of the the, the gold standard if you will uh, but there's you know there's a number of others there's uh, ethereum there's uh, ripple there's uh, you know kind of newer and, and you know maybe not as powerful dogecoin um, you know and and now now Bitcoin is is somewhat unique in that they they have a um, a process that you know they they there's limited Bitcoin that will ever be issued. They they have a fixed number of Bitcoin that will ever be issued. So so naturally with supply and demand, as you know more and more of these get processed, um, then then there's less you know in the future that'll go out. So it shrinks the future supply, and so kind of automatically raises the price in in theory mm. um but it's you know the, the the strange thing is it's not really backed by any you know gold standard or any government and so you're really relying on you know the next you know i mean you could argue it's a pyramid scheme i was not a real fan of it uh, but you know the more i've researched you know it's 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 definitely here to stay it's just a matter of which of these cryptocurrencies are going to be the long-term player but bitcoin is certainly the uh mm. the leader by a, a wide margin two questions how do they work and then what are the advantages and the disadvantages for uses yeah i mean the the disadvantages you know you just have tremendously wide fluctuations in in prices so you you know, I mean, Bit- Bitcoin, its overall trajectory for the last four years has been about a 600% increase in value. But if you were holding it at the wrong time, you know, you, you know, just this year, you could have lost almost half your value over, you know, several weeks. So um, it's, it's extremely volatile. Um, and then like, like Dogecoin, you know, it, it originally started off kind of as almost as a joke. And then got, you know, got traction and, you know, people kind of viewed it as, you know, another standard crypto. And so, you know, it, it, it's really you're going to have you're absolutely going to have some winner, big winners and some big losers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very hard to predict, you know, Bitcoin will probably, you know, certainly be, you know, one of one of them standing long term, I'm sure. Uh, but you've also had over the last, you know, five five plus years, you've had many situations where, 
Um, some cryptocurrency has come out. Um, the founder has, you know, issued all these, you know, all, all this crypto. And uh, then suddenly uh, it goes poof and uh, everybody's money and they keep it in a photo wallet, electronic wallet, and they go to check it and it's gone. Mm. Um, and, you know, whether that was pulled off by the, the founder promoter or if it was just some legitimate hack, who knows? And then there's also been situations where people have had a couple of million dollars of Bitcoin and they can't remember their password <laughs> and I would I would be one of these guys, you know. I mean, I've got so many passwords. It's like, what the heck is that? Mm. And they 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 have not they've lost their money um, because they can't uh, remember their password. So you can't that reset be, you can't reset your password. I, I forgot my password. Can you please reset it for me? You can't do that. No, no, that's disappointing. I, I did. I, I want to make sure you know. I you know what one of the things I love about the concept of cryptocurrency is. Probably one of the most irritating things, and I I, I know the world traveler that you are, um, you former, know, has to have former, the same, same former point, point of view. Yeah, former, you're, you're locked down now. But it, it when you travel internationally, and every time you exchange uh, currencies into the local currency, you know, a lot of people just use their credit card to minimize this. But you know, you're, you're losing six eight percent. Of the value of your, you know, your your traded in currency, and so, so if you take U.S. dollars to Australia, trade them in, and then before you go back, you trade them in, or when you get back, you trade them into U.S. dollars, you probably lost fourteen, sixteen percent of the value of your currency. Uh, with crypto, uh, you know, you don't have that. You you do have some transaction costs, but they're pretty minimal, and. Uh, you know, you, you, I, I like the fact that I, I, I think it does create a, a much more efficient way to deal with dollars worldwide. Mm. Do we have any measures of the growing use of cryptocurrencies in the U.S. economy or how significant they are becoming? You know, I heard the other day and I I'm, and apologize that I didn't get a chance to confirm this, but I, I heard just within a, the last couple of days that. Um, one reporter said that 20%, and I, I thought this sounded extremely high, um, and I can't, and I, and I, and I, he wasn't clear whether it was in the U.S. or worldwide, that 20% of the uh, financial transactions were done in crypto. Again, that, that sounds enormously high to me, but um, I, I know, I, and again, not, not research, but I, I, I want to say that the crypto that's outstanding is somewhere around four trillion dollars. So it's, I mean, it's it's a a big number, but it's still not, you know, not nearly as much as you know the government issued um, currencies. Why is a digital U.S. dollar under active consideration by the Feds or the Federal Reserve? Well, you know, Ch China's doing the same thing, and I know a lot of governments are are looking at this, and and it's really. You know, it's to counteract the cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, there's, and I think it's overblown. Um, but you know, there's there's a feeling among you know government people as well as um, you know just just individuals at large that 
that crypto is this, you know, has created this massive black market, um, you know, underbelly that, you know, that people are, you know, not reporting transactions and things. The, the truth of it is, though, that there's there's more of a digital footprint on crypto than, um, you know, any transactions occurring with, uh, you know, even checks and cash and things. So, um, you know, that, you know, that there may be some anonymity, <laughs> anonymous, anonymous element to, um, you know, to, to certain transactions, at least temporarily. Mm. But as, as we found out with this, you know, with the Russian hackers that went into the pipeline system, the, you know, the U.S. Treasury and CIA, FBI, I can't remember which, which agencies were involved, but they, they recaptured, you know, about two thirds of that ransom money, that ransomware money, because they were able to track down uh, following the digital footprint. So that, you know, that that's kind of the big lie out there that that, you know, they can't tell who's doing what they can. Mm. Um, but but that's, you know, certainly in in China, there's no doubt in my mind that they want to do that so that they can see what their citizens are doing. Mm. Uh, it's their system's probably not as good to, to track that. But in the U.S., you know, I, they, they can they can reconstruct all of this um, with a little bit of time. So um, I, I I think I think it's just they're they ha- they're fearful that um, you know the U.S. dollar, which you know is which pretty dominant currency worldwide that we may lose our our footing and so there's this big battle between Russia I'm sorry China and the US to be the world currency and they they figure if they have a kind of a crypto and it's really not a crypto it's really just more of a an electronic payment system mm. um, so it's a, that's a little bit of a misnomer that 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 like the U.S. government's going to start issuing crypto. Now we've had often had a conversation about the uh, uh, how well uh, using the the uh, Blakeometer, how well uh, Joe Biden is doing. Now we've seen some uh, marvelous uh, events of the last few days: the uh, calm withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, the uh, the handling of COVID, they're doing a, you know, it's all very relaxed and, you know, <laughs> just just taking their time. The economy seems to be just, uh, well, it's the uh, the Biden, the, the Biden administration is doing a wonderful job with the economy, not. So with all these catastrophes under uh, Joe Biden, who uh, is now having a lovely time at Camp David, because uh, he needs that break, even, even though he doesn't know he's having a break. Uh, so, with the Blakeometer, uh, out of ten, and just a quick reason why you have given him this this uh, this mark out of ten, what would you give him if you were a teacher? Your sarcasm comes through loud and clear. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, you know, I, I would actually th- this week is horrifying. I, I would give him so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a grade for the week, and then I'm gonna give him a cumulative grade since January. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give him about a negative five. I mean, it, this is this is, you know, just what's happened over the last week, um, you know, with uh, the Middle East, and and you know, it's it's just it was so predictable. 
Um, you know, he didn't listen to his generals, and it's you know, I, I, I feel so sorry for all the Afghans that helped us mm-hmm. over the last twenty years. I feel so sorry for all the military, all the military families that lost loved ones. You know, and that's what I was explaining to my, you know, sixteen-year-old daughter is that you know, we we just, you know, basically twenty years of effort, um, it, you know, is just down down the drain. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it, but again, I I feel it's just it must be horrifying for those people that are trapped over there, American citizens. Uh, Afghan Afghanis that have helped us for the last two decades, uh, you know, deal with the Taliban and things. Now we, you know, now we're just leaving them hanging. We're not going to be able to get them all out, uh, regardless of what the president says. And he and he took very little responsibility. And and I was very happy to see that both sides of the aisle annihilated him. You know mm-hmm. that I mean there was he didn't have many supporters. So I'd give him a a minus five, and then, you know, cumulatively, I'd give him, you know, a three. Well, I think you're being generous. I, I am. I am being generous. because, And, and I, do, I do want to make clear, you know, I always support the, um, you know, the office of the presidency. Uh, he is my president, um, but I'm, I'm frustrated with him and, and much of the administration, although I think a lot of the people in the administration are, horrified what happened and didn't agree with him either. It's uh, really exciting for the uh, rest of the world. He is the leader of the free world, which has got inverted commas around free at the moment. Um, but the I probably think a scarier scenario is if um, they decide to put him in the uh, old people's home and to pretend to be president. And we have Kamala and she pops up and says, uh, <laughs> that's a laugh, by the way. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, continue on uh, under the Harris administration. Now, which is scarier? Uh, Joe walking around in circles, falling downstairs, uh, not knowing what he's doing, but having a lovely time in his mind? Or do we have Kamala, who's um, probably would be the, the, the worst vice president one could ever have, and nobody likes her? Yeah, I, I think the fact that her you know approval rating is... You know, pretty low, and um, she's she's got a lot of uh, bad press about her her staff complaining about you know her style. Um, I I don't know you know if they'll if they'll make that change, but I I, I think is you know it, I, I think this is the beginning of the end of him. You know, I mean, I th- I think his his um, presidency. Will they'll always show, you know, those those big transport planes with Afghanis falling off them, you know, thousands of people running along. It's you know, it's just you know, it's Vietnam all over again. It's just mm. just terrible, terrible. I think the uh, first thing Joe Biden needs to do is to stop consulting with Major, and let Major just be a dog. Uh, <laughs> And then maybe uh, he should have a, a, a nice long rest. Um, interesting, though, I just, because, you know, Kamala, she's there. She's the next president, whether you like it or not. And um, 
uh, it's not a uh, not a very good future for the uh, for America or for the rest of the world uh, <laughs> no. in the next uh, three years, four years. So um, anyway, another conversation, Blake, over a virtual scotch with you. Blake Christian. Yeah, from- that, that, that may be all we can accomplish for the next year, the way that we're seem to be heading towards another lockdown. But uh, yeah, let's let's do that next week. Let's uh, let's pour a drink. Uh, we'll have to make it a, a little bit later in the day for me because it's around breakfast time. So uh, that's true. The, the stories that I've been making up about myself, I don't actually drink at breakfast. Uh, Blake Christian. Now, if somebody wants to find out more about uh, Holthouse Carlin and Ventrite and and yourself, how do they do that? So our firm website is hcbt.com, and uh, if you want to reach me in uh, directly, uh, just Google Blake Christian CPA, and all of my contact information, articles, and interviews will uh, pop up. Blake Christian, thank you very much. Thank you so much. This was a, a great conversation. Appreciate it.